0: But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing.
1: Cairo Airport, and there are a whole lot of um, guys with, you know, with the stick and sign on the top looking for people who they're obviously meant to pick up. And um, a guy with one of these signs came up to me and he said, Sunini Stephen? (laughs) Um, That was my response. It was the uh, 1980s and he was the (laughs) Governor-General. And this guy had no idea of his identity. Maybe it was because Jenny had an Australian flag on her pack that he at least thought he was in shopping in the right pool. Um, but he had no I- idea of the identity of this, um, you know, famous Australian, Saninian Stephen. A case of mistaken identity or a case of, of just not knowing. And I want to ask you, how, how do people recognise your identity and my identity, not, not just talking about being identified by our name, but being identified by uh, who we are and what is our core values in life. What is our real identity? What is the spiritual dimension of our Christian life? How do we identify with God? Now, through the, the New Testament writings, um, including our passage today, there, there's a, a kind of imagery to speak about two different identities that we, that we recognize. And this imagery is light and darkness. Uh, the Apostle John, uh, this is one of his favorite metaphors, and he says early in the Gospel that he, that he wrote in John 3.19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The Apostle Paul uses this this, um, label too to identify people as people of the dark or people of the light. He says to the church in Ephesus um, that the deeds of darkness are sin. And here in the letter that we're reading, the letter to the Thessalonians, he writes in verse 4, the first verse that Judy read to us, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that the day should surprise you like a thief. The issue of of the Church of Thessalonia was the coming of the Lord and that's what we've been looking at for the last two weeks and we continue up till next Sunday the coming of the Lord is uh, a concern for all Christians and interestingly enough the first century Christians seem to have the greatest concern and expectation about the coming of the Lord and we can learn a lot from them but the, the um, Paul writes to the people and says to them, you are children of the light, children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. Some of the um, strength of that metaphor is lost because we live with electricity. If you uh, can remember the last time you had a blackout, you probably were taken by surprise and I don't know how long it took you to fumble around and find candles or matches or a torch or something, but the well-prepared you know, know where they are, don't they? And you can't see a thing until you actually um, put, on a to- put on a torch or, a- or light a candle and then, you know, you see what's close to you. I remember there was a- we had a blackout uh, quite a few years ago and we tried to play cards with the kids. Well... <laughs> To do that, each person needed a candle, which they loved, because kids love fire. I, I don't think we got much of a card game in, but you couldn't see your cards with a, with a candle in front of you. It had to be this side of the cards. So that whole thing about uh, the difference between light and darkness uh, was much more pronounced in, in Jesus' day. When it got dark, you basically couldn't do anything. You know, you, you might have a small candle... Or a small lamp, but you know there's not. You, you you just didn't do much in the dark, and that's the imagery here. The people who are in the spiritual darkness are asleep when it comes to spiritual things. They cannot do anything. They cannot see anything because they're in the darkness. So those who identify, uh, or who Paul identifies as living in the darkness, they are not only are like having a spiritual blackout. They are not at all ready or even aware of the possibility of the return of Jesus Christ. Paul describes these people in verse 3. They went to Thessalonica and preached the gospel and everybody in the city would have had a chance to hear that message. But only a small number became members of that church. And Paul says about the rest, he says... They are saying peace and safety as they go about their daily lives, but destruction will come upon them suddenly. These people were the Thessalonians, were the Christians from Thessalonica. They were their neighbours. They were the people they worked with. And do you notice here that they are people who are, who are seeking peace and safety. They're the ones who are involved in Neighbourhood Watch or their local P&F at school. They're people who are concerned about uh, peace and safety of the community and they obviously work towards that. But they are still living in spiritual darkness without any recognition that Christ could return at any time and their judgment would be inevitable. Paul says fairly harshly, destruction will come upon them suddenly. Now, does that sound fair? Well, in a sense, no, we're shocked by that, aren't we? We think they must have had, you know, they must have another chance. They Surely. But if we're looking outwardly at people's identity, if we're looking at the physical things, we, we see good people. There are so many good people, community-minded people. But if we look inwardly at their spiritual identity they are dead to Christ they are not prepared to recognise who he is and certainly they are not concerned about uh, his second coming do you know people like that? maybe they're your neighbours your workmates, your friends, they are asleep in the darkness. They are asleep to spiritual things. And um, if you try and have a conversation, you just see how asleep they are. They're not interested in Christian things. What return of Christ? How crazy is that for an idea? And they don't identify with Jesus and uh, they, they seem to be happy not to do that. So what does Paul say? He says, let us not be like them. Let us not be like them. Verse 6. So then, let us not not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. In contrast, people who walk in in the light, people who follow Jesus, are called the spiritually awake or um, the sober not kind of not drunk, but having sound reason, sober-minded. As we look at people's uh, spiritual identity, whether they are people of the light or people of the darkness, we need to be discerning, don't we? We need to know which people we are not to share the same values with. We need to know who our brothers and sisters in Christ are. We need to determine those who are walking in darkness and those who are walking in the light. So how do we be spiritually discerning? Uh, Well, how can you tell? Really, all you have to do is to start a conversation about spiritual things and you'll see where these people stand, whether they're interested or not. um, And... I want to challenge us all. At at Christmas time, we need to be able to have spiritual conversations with people. If we can't talk about Jesus with people at Christmas time, when there's every opportunity, uh, then it's going to be so much harder for us to do at any other time. So think about it. Engage people in conversation. And you never know, you might actually find someone who is walking in the light and who will be greatly encouraged by what you say. Or you might just give someone who is in darkness a little spark of light for them to see. But the distinctives that identify people who walk walk in the light, Paul gives us here um, in in two points. The first point, he says, is the people of the light are people of action, people who... um, surround or cover themselves with the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation being hope. So think of that imagery for a moment. Again, from a different world. But if you were um, looking at someone dressed for arm-to-arm combat, their breastplate is a very important part of their armour, isn't it? It stops them from receiving a fatal blow to their vital organs is going to um, kill them. And the helmet of, of, of hope, the helmet of salvation, is supposed to stop the blows that would uh, crack your skull. So in that imagery, that's, that's very kind of provocative imagery, isn't it? We're, we're people of action because we're actually in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And this Armour is the equivalent of our spiritual protection that God gives us, faith, love and hope. We've heard that little threesome many times, haven't we? Faith, love and hope. Probably not in that that, um, order. But Paul puts hope at the end, the hope of salvation, because that is what he's focusing on. His main point is about the coming of the Lord Jesus and the, the future salvation that we are sure of. So I want to ask you, are you really any different from the good person who lives next door to you? If someone were to try and uh, re- you know, recognise your true identity, how would they go? Would they see this evidence of faith, love and hope? Because that is what defines us isn't it we exercise faith as we live life trusting jesus we show god's love as we serve one another and the world and we live with a sure and certain hope of the future while those around us uh, have no such hope so again if your neighbors were surveyed about your spiritual life would they describe you as people of the light? Would they identify you as a person of faith, love and hope? Maybe um, you're having a little micro sleep at the moment. So we want to be in the we want to be awake in the light. We see people around us who are asleep in darkness. And sleep is a very catchy thing, isn't it? And I think as Christians, we can actually fall into a little spiritual microsleep, And we need Paul to say, don't be like them. Don't go that way. And I, I know sometimes I can go hours, maybe even a day, and not really give God much of my time or thinking. And then when, when something, you know sparks me back into my spiritual reality, I think, why didn't I pray for that? Why didn't I invite God into that? Why didn't I do this? Because I was just having a little micro-sleep. And the Apostle Paul says, the way that we show that we are people of the light is that we live by faith, love and hope. And as we wait for Jesus' return, that focuses our behaviour, doesn't it? That encourages us to live in the light because Ch- Jesus is coming. So people of the light are people of action and people of the light are people who rest in God's future. So we're active in one sense and we're resting in another sense. The hope that, that, that uh, energises our spiritual action is a sure and certain hope not based on wishful thinking, not based on... Um, our performance not based on how much we show uh, love and faith and hope no it's based on the work of jesus himself and we read in verse 9 for god did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our lord jesus christ we are not to be caught in the dark we are not those destined for for wrath and judgment we are the ones have received salvation through Jesus Christ and because we have received salvation in Christ we have a sure and certain hope that we can rest in one of the major concerns for the Christians in Thessalonica was what would happen to their brothers and sisters who died before Jesus returned now 2,000 years down the track that thought has probably never crossed our minds but if you're living just a, f- a few uh, years after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension and, you, and his last uh, you know, act of the drama is to return and people are expecting Jesus to return, then you can understand, can't you, that if a Christian dies, are they going to miss out on this hope? Are they going to miss out on this glory of the day of the Lord? And Paul says to people to the people who are asking this question, uh, following on in verse 10, he died, that's Jesus died uh, for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Paul's now changed the meaning of being asleep to being um, dead, to to the the rest that that, um, you enter into when you die. And what he's saying here is that because you've received salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, you also have the confidence that you will live together with him because Jesus died so that whether we are awake, that's whether we are here and active in our Christian life, or whether we are asleep, that is whether we've died, we can be sure that we will live together with him. That's a great comfort, isn't it? That's a huge comfort. We might not have thought much about, about that, but it is, it is worth thinking about, isn't it? Our brothers and sisters in Christ who have died are with him. And, you know, and when he returns, they will not miss out on the kingdom that he has prepared for all those who believe. So whether we are awake or asleep, we live with him. And then Paul draws this to a conclusion. Well, there are actually two action steps that I want to point out um, as he draws this to a conclusion. The first one comes earlier. When you see little words in the text like, so then, or therefore, it's worth looking at them to see what you're supposed to do. And so then, he says in verse 6, let us be awake and sober. And again in verse 8, let us be sober putting on the breastplate of faith, love, and, ho- and the helmet of hope. That's the first imperative that we're given, the first instruction that we're called to, to be awake and sober and to live by faith, love, and hope. But then there is another uh, bit of application in the last verse, in verse 11, where he says, Therefore, therefore cons- considering everything else that he's just said, therefore, encourage one another, and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So the two take-home steps, so then live in the light by faith, love and hope, and, and therefore encourage each other with these truths, with the salvation that we have in Christ, with the sure and certain hope that we know that our brothers and sisters who have died are with Christ. And he says, build one another up in this just as you are already doing. Isn't that a great uh, phrase to to have to describe your church? Do this just as you are already doing. Are we uh, awake in the light? Do you need a bit of a shake from your micro sleep? Then we turn to Jesus the one who has, who has given us salvation, the one who has our future in his hands. And we live by love, faith and hope and we encourage each other just as we are already doing. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that uh, you speak to us, Lord, in ways that are just as relevant today as they were when they were written thousands of years ago. Help us, Lord, to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. Help us to live in the light by faith, love and hope.